Good evening to all our listeners. We here at Go Deep Podcast really appreciate y'all, and y'all know what it is. It is episode five. We're having a good time here. We're going to keep it rolling. My name is Eric Amiris, coming to you live from Damascus, Maryland. I always forget to say this, but you can find me on Twitter at the Eric Amiris. Uh, I'm going to pass this over to our number one money man, our Las Vegas familiar, our our con- connoisseur of gambling. You know who it is. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Lauren coming to you from Montgomery Village. Um, you can find me at the underscore heap 21 on Twitter for uh, any gambling advice or any, uh, to, uh, any gambling inquiries. But uh, now I'll pass it over to AJ. Hey, what's up, guys? AJ coming to you live from Shady Grove, Maryland. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dunedin Jets. Uh, and uh, it is uh, my distinct – oh, uh, teams – all Washington fo- uh, teams except for uh, my beloved Baltimore Orioles. Uh, we, I will uh, pitch it over. We have a special guest today. It's my distinct pleasure to introduce uh, Jake. Tell the listeners about yourself. Hi, uh, I'm Jake. Um, you can find me on Twitter at I'm the Outman, O-U-T-M-A-N. Um, coming to you from Baltimore, Maryland, Baltimore sports fan. Also, uh, the Sixers, um, Arsenal soccer, too. Uh, that's who I am. All right, let's hit it. All right. And as always, if you're listening to us here on the GoD Podcast, do us a favor, leave us a review, follow us, subscribe. Uh, some of the funnier reviews we will definitely read on the podcast. Some of the uglier reviews we'll also just laugh and read them on the podcast <laughs> as well because we're good sports. But we're going to go ahead and get started off on someone who is apparently not a good sport, uh, someone who apparently has no respect from his team, none other than the legendary, the man the man amongst men, or boys, I guess, Urban Meyer. <laughs> That's how he thinks of himself. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, freaking, so Urban Meyer gets, <laughs> he stays behind last week's game. To fly back out on his own, someone on Snapchat or whatever the hell finds him having a, a little, a little, a little, little booties matter. Okay, I'm not saying they don't, but a little booty <laughs> grinding up on him at some bar while he's quote unquote visiting his grandchildren, and then later saying he needed to clear his air. Now, <laughs> in my own experience, <laughs> I don't, you know. Going out to a bar and just getting a random girl to grind up on me has never really been my way of going about and clearing my mind, but I don't know about y'all. I mean I know I know Lauren's gonna have a lot to say here, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna very cautiously slide it over to AJ real quick before Lauren gets really into this one. Yeah, look, I mean look, I uh here, here, here let's 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 back up for a second and just talk about like how stupid this all is. Like, after he catches his fourth straight L in, in the pros, like, after the media has been, like, hounding him and everything, uh, you've got this this guy in Urban Meyer who's, like, he's, he's built this whole professional brand about him being having integrity and, like, being this, like, stand-up guy who only does what he's, you know, he's always going to do the right thing, blah, blah, blah. And uh, for him to get caught like this, okay, it wouldn't have been so embarrassing if he just didn't have that as, as his whole thing, his whole deal. And, uh, you know, we know this because it's, you know, having been in Washington for the Jay Gruden saga, 
uh, where Jay Gruden basically just had the same exact thing happen to him, but he didn't sit there and pretend like he was some sort of moral upstanding statue for the, for the rest of humanity to emulate. Uh, when it happened to Jay Gruden, we all just kind of laughed and moved on. But for Urban Meyer, uh, this, this all seems particularly uh, hilarious because uh, he, wants, he tried to set himself up as some sort of model person. Uh, so, uh, you know, in a lot of cases I feel bad for athletes who kind of go out and have a good time and like get, uh, you know, get trashed in the media for it. Uh, but in this case, nah, fam, you got to take that L too. <laughs> oh man. I've never seen a head coach take two L's in one weekend like that. <laughs> Lauren, that bad. I mean, what you thinking? Yeah, man? no, what you thinking? it is a, I mean, like, like that dump, I said to dumpster fire gif floating down the river and that's like what this whole like that's like what he is like right now like he he while he was walking on he was walking on water and a god in the college football ranks because he went to one of the best schools in the in the nation got the best recruits he got five-star athletes going against two-star athletes half the time whooping them cakewalking into the playoffs you know he's built this huge program and they just went to the nfl thought like it was going to be easy all sun, sunshines and rainbows and then he you, he just has looked miserable every time I've seen him. And then he came out with the quote, and then he came out, uh, oh, yeah, when it came down to cuts, we cut people because uh, they weren't vaccinated. And everybody's like, oh, wait a minute, you no. can't say that. And then, uh, and then like week two, it was something like, oh, it's like every week we're playing Alabama. No yep. motherfucking Urban Meyer, of course it is every week. This is the NFL, so these are grown men. These aren't college kids, Urban. He just looks lost and confused. And then – and then, and then his on top of that, his team's zero four. He gets caught grabbing girls, grabbing a girl, uh, gr- girl's butt, or look like it, and and grinding up on her. And then his apology, he had to bring Trevor, bring Trevor Lawrence into it. He was just like, oh yeah, I told Trevor when he was going to Vegas, like be careful because bad things can happen. And it's just like, bro, you are a all types of messing this up right now. Like it is not even, it's not even cute how bad this is. Like this is just terrible. And then on the, he, so he has the audacity. So he, he, so because he coached at Ohio state, he's got restaurants there. So what he said was, and his family's there. So what he said was, I want to stay back with my family and unwind. But, it, but he also said, I'm not flying back with the team. I was listening all day to NFL GMs go, you never as a head coach, don't fly back with your team, especially when you're own four, because you're not, you're saying I'm not into the trenches with you. I'm, I'm taking the easy way out. So it just looks bad. That and then his apology. Everything I'm hearing about coming out from Jacksonville about his apology is he apologized to certain players and certain groups, and he like kind of apologized weirdly. And when he closed the door, everybody laughed at him. Like he said, "There's no way you can't hear that." The players like in their meetings laughed at him while he was oh leaving. I mean, and you know he's gone on record on college game day uh, before he before he was an NFL head coach that said like when you see fractured teams, it's like there's a distrust. There needs to be honesty. You need to be upfront about stuff. And he just didn't do any of that in this situation. This man is miserable. He looks he looks totally lost. Like his team's 0-4. He it's like it's kind of like he thought he would just like glide into this, like get the number one overall pick, have Trevor Lawrence, and everything's gonna be like sunshine and rainbows. And it's just not. Like people are just he, and, and it's just it's just gone from bad to worse with him. But yeah. I knew you were gonna go into it. I mean, that's all really good points. Jake, what's your take on the whole situation, man? Um, uh, he wanted to clear the air, and he looked like he was feeling for someone else's. <laughs> Did he see the one <laughs> angle from behind? I mean, he's like, oh, yeah, it's bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. bad. 
It's Knuckle very deep. bad. <laughs> he wasn't grabbing ass. He was grabbing something else. <laughs> he was trying, and the, for sure. Yeah. And the thing, the thing that was really like that, really like I, I was like, oh, this is going to be really bad. Was when he made like I don't know if you guys watched any of his apology, but he just looks like he just looks. It's not contrite at all. It's he just looks really, really sad. Like yeah. he looks like he's just like, and it's weird because it it's, it doesn't make for a good apology. Like I've seen players or players or like high profile athletes or whatever make apologies, and it's like, okay, you know, maybe you're doing this, you're just doing this for PR, maybe you're not, but at least like you look like you're you're not supposed to look like you're having a good time, but he just looks so like miserable and sad <laughs> up there making his apology. It's yeah. just like. It's like, dude, like, and here's the thing, like, he didn't even do anything like, like that egregious, right? It's not like, I mean, okay, yeah, sure, you know, come back, fly back to the team or whatever, but also like, okay, you're, you're an NFL head coach, like, you're, you're probably, you're the man in Ohio, like, okay, we get it, like, you get to go, you know, women seek you out at bars because you're, you're famous and all that kind of crap, whatever, right. fine, you know, it's not like that, it's not, at least, at least it was consensual, you know, there's, there's, that's not always the case <laughs> big ben yeah. um so like <laughs> but like here he he has he looks like he just like hit like did a hit and run with somebody like a pedestrian with his car or something like he just looks so like like dude <laughs> you're making this worse than it needs to be by like by acting like this like you like you've just sort of i don't even know like you've like it just makes he just seemed like he had done something so much worse than what he actually did when all he did was just was make a fool of himself. Get this. Uh, when he was see, doing uh, it. In... Sorry. Go, yeah, uh, so get, when he was see... doing it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, do you guys see like the statement from the owner? It was like the most <laughs> yeah, bizarre oh statement. It was like, we talked <laughs> to Irving so privately and, uh, <laughs> you know, he seemed very remorseful, and I trust him <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> regain our honesty. <laughs> Yeah. Like, no, he's got to gain the respect back of the team. What I was going to say is his wife was t- – when this was coming out, his wife tweeted, he's out here doing this while I'm home with the grandkids or something like that. Like in that bar, there is a picture of him and his wife like holding like holding each other because it's his bar. Like there's like, a, there's like a mural up there up on the walls that have like a picture oh of him God. and his wife up there like while this is going on. So like she – I mean – He's married with kids, you know, so it's just like when that comes out, it's just a little interesting. Yeah, I, I feel I feel bad for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, somehow, like in all this, uh, like it's just, yeah, Urban Meyer, you're a huge clown. I'm, I'm, my last two cents on the situation is I, I genuinely don't feel bad for the Jaguars uh, as an organization. I feel bad for the fans because they're another mm-hmm. one of those franchises yeah. that's dealing with just an absolute idiot of an owner right washington fans have been struggling through it for for years and then con up down in duval like he has no idea what he's doing he brought in urban myers he's got to me it looks like a parent child like relationship that they have like oh i spoke to little urban it's okay within in private urban trots urban meyer out to apologize to the world and he looks like a sad little kid up on a stand and meanwhile, all the grown men who like sacrifice their bodies on the line every Sunday for this guy are just laughing. I'm like, this guy's a clown. He's a joke. Get him out of the NFL. 
ship his ass back to the Pac-12 or whatever. What's the countdown on the, how long he lasts? He doesn't make it past week seven. Ooh, week seven. Week seven. Yeah, that's bold. At this rate, I got, I got, I got, I got, got to finish it out the year. And then after that, they decide to mutually part ways. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd say that's probably what's going to happen too. Probably. I mean, it's it's kind of sad because at, at the beginning of it all, I was like, all right, Urban Meyer coming in, finally making the leap into NFL. Maybe you can make it happen, but yeah, nah, nah, nah. Nope. Can't do it. Now, talking about people mutually splitting ways, or sometimes not even mutually, two big moves literally just happened today. First one is in your division, my guy. Jalen Smith released by the Cowboys. Now, I just like the kid. I mean, when he came out of Penn State after, or no, was it? No, it was Notre Dame, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was, it was Notre where he Dame. played college ball. And like he like destroyed his knee. I think it was like his right mm-hmm. knee or something right before. Nobody thought he was going to be able to play anymore. Like, I mean, the Cowboys took a risk taking him. I think like in the second or something like that. Um, and I mean, he he played. He's been playing. Maybe not great, but. I mean, shit, inspirational nonetheless, in my opinion. It's kind of sad to see him get dropped, but he's young, so it's good. he's going to get picked up quick. Well, how do you guys feel about it? I mean, it being a, a Cowboys player, just let go so randomly in the season. I mean, Lauren, what, do you, what were your thoughts? Yeah, no, it was random. It was random because I didn't think he was playing bad. Um, I didn't think he was playing all that bad. Uh, like you said, he was kind of one of those. I remember his. it was a big deal with him because he uh, – when he was coming out because he, like you said, he messed up his knee in the, I think in the championship game or some big game for Notre Dame. And uh, yep. he put an insurance policy on his knee, on his legs and said, if I fall below like the, what I was projected to go at, I get a payout of like $10 million or something like that. So I remember that, that whole thing. And I remember the Cowboys took him. He sat, he had to sit out the whole first year and then he started playing for him and turned into a pro ball type player. So I, you know, I, I wasn't really watching his play, but I guess they just decided they didn't need him. So, I mean, it was kind of random and out of left field, but, Hey, if he was making plays for him, I'm glad he's out of the division now. How about you, AJ? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. It, it seemed like uh, from what I, from what I'm gathering from what what Twitter is, is telling me is that um, you know he just wasn't performing at the same level as the rest of the linebacking core down there in, in Dallas. Um, and a lot of people want us to pick him up, uh, want Washington to pick him up because uh, you know he's the division rival, all that kind of stuff. Ian Rappaport's latest is that he's uh, apparently going to sign with the Packers. Um, I don't know about that. We'll see, but um, that's what Rappaport says anyway. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, and I think like I, I guess it's that his performance just wasn't wasn't up to snuff. That's the only thing that that comes to mind. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm glad not to have to face a Pro Bowl linebacker twice a year anymore. Um, so if he goes to the if he goes to the pack, so maybe there's that ease of mind a little bit. Jake, I mean, what'd you take from the situation, man? Uh, pretty much what you guys said, uh, or what AJ said, um, he was making a lot of money, uh, but he wasn't performing. He wasn't even a starter. So he, he got a good number of snaps, they said, but, um, he wasn't performing and it wasn't working in Cowboys. I hope he does well in Green Bay if that's where he goes. I think I heard the Cowboys are taking a $7 million uh, cap hit because of his contract, the way that they did this. So. I, I just don't know that it's a it's a strange move in that respect because it seems like then they're they're gonna well they're gonna well, it's not just that it seems like this they're gonna have to pay him uh you know to 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 be released which which is a weird right. 
situation. They probably, I mean, just like for, for reference. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jake. Sorry. Yeah, they. I mean, they probably save like five million or something. You know, it's kind of like a. They gotta save some money if they're gonna release them. It's not like they have to pay the whole thing. Yeah, and I mean, they they save themselves from paying down the line too. So there's that. But I mean, from so I I actually really like Jalen, and I watched some of his tape, um, like in 2019. So in PFF, um, which is like pro uh, pro football, like analytics website, or whatever. Pro football, um, focus. yeah, pro football focus. But they basically just take all the numbers of like the NFL and like grade you and stuff. Um, in 2019, he was rated in the 70s or like 70.2 or something like that. And then last year it dropped to about 54. So I mean, that's a pretty steep drop um, for anybody. So I guess yeah. I mean, they got the rookie Michael Parsons who looks like an absolute terror. He became expendable, I guess. So we'll see. I, I'm still not. I, I'm kind of on the fence with the move. I mean, they should have just kept him because I feel like Vanderich is he's like made out of paper. Like he's always injured. But I mean, I I guess we'll see. Now for my division, we got rid of probably the best corner in our entire division with Stephen uh, Stephon Gilmore getting traded to the Cardin or Cardinals to the Panthers. Um, so it looks like the Panthers are just trying to take all the players from the AFC East and like build a playoff contender. Um, cause they already got Darnold out there and Robbie who, I'm, never mind. I'm not going to say nothing about Robbie Anderson. Um, screwed my fantasy team, but anyways, um, <laughs> um, I, I think it's a great move on the Panthers part. They got him for a sixth round pick, bro. They traded them a six piece chicken McNuggets meal. Like what? Hey, they wasn't it Tom, maybe they were going after Tom Brady. That's what it was. <laughs> They're going after the next Tom Brady with the sixth round pick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a good move, a big move. Well, I mean, Jake, what do you what do you think about the move, man? Um, I thought it was a little weird because they were initially just going to release him, and then I guess the Panthers swooped in before uh, they put the paperwork in. So the Panthers are going to have to pay him his seven million or whatever he's due. Um, so, it's kind of, I mean, it was good that they got him for a six-round pick, but it's kind of a weird move that they could have hypothetically, you know, paid him veteran minimum. And but I guess point. they didn't want to risk that. That's a good point. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. They yeah. could have just paid him on the lower lower contract. Right. Lauren. Well, um, we all we all know what happened. We all know what happened in this situation. He went to Bill Belichick and said, "I want to get paid," and Bill Belichick was like, "Bye." That's exactly. That's exactly. That's exactly what happened. He was like, "Excuse me, sir. I'm like the best cornerback in the league. Can I get compensated fairly for it for like once?" And he was like, "Not on my team." So then he just he just shipped him off to the. He just shipped him you off for a after, six round. This is what he does. This is what he does. What he he said that after spending like so much money in the off season on everyone else. That's, that might be some of it too, right? Like, but you know, he was just like, "I could get another one of you." So. He just he just shipped them right off, so no problem. It's, it's, it's Belichick's mo, right? This is that's what he does, and, yep. and you know you can tell the He's difference between uh, between uh, Gilmore and and the other players because he must have been super respectful about it. Because then Bill was like, Bill was like, okay, fine, I won't banish you to like Jacksonville or something. I'll send you, I'll send you to, <laughs> we'll send you to Carolina where you might have a chance of winning some games or something. Uh, 
but yeah, Bill, uh, that's what that's what Bill does, man. He, he he'll ship you out of there for if you, if you go in there and he's like he's like you know what he's like, he's like that uh, he's like Oliver Twist, you know. Please, sir, can I have some more? More. <laughs> Bill Belichick's like, nah, fam, we ain't doing that more stuff. We getting out of here. Bye. Um, so there's a good book. There's a good book out there. Um, it's called The Blueprint. And it's written by Christopher Price. And basically all it talks about is it it follows the New England franchise from um, its inception. It talks about like some of its history and whatnot. And it then it delves very deep and like follows a lot of the early relationship between uh, Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft and how Belichick instantly, you know, he started to take some of that GM power on top of the head coach power. And it talks about, funnily enough, his MO of underpaying or not like a refusal to pay his best players. Um, and it does a great job de- like detailing why he takes this approach. But basically, the too long didn't read for it is if I can just go out and get somebody else to come in and do a good enough job, I don't care how good you are. I'm not going to pay you. And that's just Bill's approach. He just believes he can just coach anybody up next man up. And it, I mean, it's it's worked for him to a certain extent, but I mean, Brady did get the dub on them, so yeah. That and, uh, uh-huh. you know, if he keeps trading people for picks, if he keeps trading people for six round picks, you know, he keeps acquiring picks and stuff. He'll just cycle guys in and cycle guys out, or trade those guys for the guys he wants on his team. So yeah. now, the funny thing about Belichick is his son. <laughs> we got a we got a good look oh, yeah. at last week. <laughs> on the Sunday night game. Yo. So me and, AJ, me and AJ are watching the game, right? And they're showing shots of his son doing crazy stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not the only one who's seeing this, right? Like the face gestures, the tongue stuff. I'm like, I'm like looking at AJ like, you can, we can't be the only ones that know about this. So sure enough, I hop on Twitter and it's just, it's just pages of memes, like just Man. nonstop, just pages and pages of it. I mean, he's rocking the mullet, which, you know, is god awful, but you know it draws eyes and attention. And on top of that, he's doing the crazy tongue stuff and the making all the faces. But it's literally the face I make while I'm looking at my phone and scrolling through the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, uh, I, I okay. I want to put this out there. This is the first time I think I brought this up on the pod so far. But if you know me, you know I'm, I have a permanent vendetta against mullets in general. Uh, it's a horrible hairstyle, <laughs> and no human being should be forced to. Uh, to to watch someone else wear their hair that way. Uh, that being said, if you're gonna have a mullet, you should act like you're completely insane to deter <laughs> other people with mullets from from acquiring mullets. Um, and the way that Stephen Belichick was on the sideline, uh, just his lips in a square f- formation, uh, his his jaw open somehow, and uh, just I don't know how he was, and just licking his lips like he's like he's uh about to enjoy a particularly uh raw steak uh unseasoned um that that is that's the way that I would like my mullet uh representatives to show up so that way no one else will do that uh to their hair so um so thank you Stephen Belichick for your service uh please continue to do insane things on on sidelines uh, where the cameras can see you uh, as long as you're going to keep that hairstyle um, he, uh, he looked like he was slicking, you know, like a Taco Bell wrapper, trying to get that little last 
<laughs> Taste of sauce. <laughs> he got the fire Can't sauce. Let... <laughs> Can't let it go to waste. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, we. I just had to. We had to touch on it, man, because that was hilarious, bro. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna keep talking about head coaches here, and uh, there's nothing more than I like than a good beef like you know what i'm saying like like nas and jay-z epic beef tupac and biggie one of the best beefs of all time vic fangio and john harbaugh got beef all because yeah the broncos got their ass beat and the ravens decided hey we get the ball here yeah but do I'm gonna go for my hundred <laughs> rushing record. I don't give a fuck. Okay. Yo, Fangio a poor loser, or does he have a point? Let's talk about that. For this, for this, I think we got to go to our senior uh, special Ravens correspondent, uh, Jake, uh, to 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 detail this beef. Um, uh, so, uh, if you didn't watch the Ravens game, um, and you're unaware, the Ravens are going for the record for most 100-yard rushing games in a row. Um, and uh, it came right down to the wire against Denver. And uh, they finished their last drive with 97 yards. And, you know, the Broncos got the ball back down two scores. They throw, a inter- they throw an interception in the end zone with three seconds left. And John Harbaugh, instead of kneeing the ball, he brings out Lamar, and they run a QB sweep up the sideline for five yards to tie the NFL record. Um, and I'm sure the Broncos were just confused because, you know, most teams just knee down there. But, uh, you know, the Ravens want to go for that record. It means a lot to the players. And, uh, you know, Fangio came out after the game. He was like, this is some BS, you know. <laughs> no concern for player safety, you know. Just acting like a child because he got beat by 16 points and, you know, they decided to run a play at the end of the game. And, you know, Harbaugh rightly pointed out, you know, I, I, I'm not aware of a 16-point play. I don't know why you were throwing in the end zone, you know, <laughs> if you're concerned for player safety. And uh, that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. real crybaby hours. I have to say, like, what, what, like, first of all, for you as an NFL head coach, should be complaining about player safety. Come on, bro. That Boy, is that bruh. is that is the that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Here's a man whose job it is to tell men to go die in the trenches, for, and while he sits comfortably on the sideline, and yells at people through his headset. And, uh, and he's, he's, so he's that, that's the real concern here is player safety. Like, come on, bro. That is the most ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever heard. And for him to say that is just like, what a, what a, like, what a sad boys thing to say. Like, you, like just Vic, Vicky, Vic, hold this, hold this L, hold it with you, <laughs> take it with you and go to sleep, bro. You deserve that one. I'm glad they gave it to you. He was uh, mad that they finally had to play a real team and they got beat. <laughs> they were... Instead of... <laughs> Lauren, what you No, yeah, I think that... 
Yeah, yeah. No, I'm all team. I'm team Harbaugh all the way. Uh, I think that there's like so. I think the it's it's personal to the to Ravens, right, to get that record. So they wanted it. The other thing we don't know is is the other factors we don't know is there could be incentives tied along with this with this with keeping this record or them getting 100 rushing yards. We don't know what it, and the linemen may have uh, incentives in their contract where they get an extra get more money, or the owner could have come to them and said this means something to me, or the coaches or the players could have said this means something to me. But I completely agree with the fact that if you're down by 16 and you're throwing for it, the other team is and uh, the other team gets the ball back. They have absolutely every right to to run a play, and it's not like they did anything disrespectful. The Ravens gonna line up and take a bomb, like take a deep shot. Lamar got three yards or his five yards and slid, and then the game was over. Like. And, it, and the other thing is, it's a, it would have been one thing if they, like, lined up, looked like they were going to kneel it, and then snuck a Lamar out to the side, right, or pitched it out to the side and took off up the sideline. They rolled right. out, like, they, they showed up Denver, hey, we're running an offense. And Denver got to trot out their defense. Like, they didn't try to hide anything, disguise anything. We all knew what they were doing. Yeah, I've got no problem with their, them doing it. It's a record that's important to them. If 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 uh, old Vic had stopped them, Let's say the let's say the Broncos stopped him. Let's say someone flies the linebacker flies through, smacks Lamar at the the line of scrimmage. He'd be bragging all day that he broke their record. I mean, he'd be rubbing it in their yeah. face. So it's just like I'm of the opinion of uh, the old school tough guy. I guess football mentality. The the old if you want to if you want to stop someone from doing something, you stop them. Like you don't don't let me get the record. Then like fly through and hit me. But they rolled out there, let him get the five yards, and then called it a day. So I, I don't I don't know. It's the NFL to me. Uh, the other other thing is I'm a competitor. It's, and if there's time on the clock and I want to go score, I'm gonna try and go score. Like and maybe yeah. that's maybe that's mean, and or some people take that the wrong way. But I don't know. That's that's just kind of how that's just the way I think about it. But they didn't even try to go score. They just went and got their record, called it a day. You know, they they keep it moving. So at the end at, at week 17, what no one's gonna remember this. No one's gonna know this happened. Like it's just yeah. a little blip on the radar in the. And it's the, and what's funny is, like Eric said, I like a good beef, too, between head coaches, you know, uh, when uh, he then Vic was like, oh, I expect that from them. You know, that's that's the kind of way they act in their organization. And Harbaugh that's was like, uh, <laughs> Harbaugh was like, I'm not going to address that insult. You know, like Harbaugh called it for what it was. He's like, I thought we had a good conversation. And then I'm not going to address that insult. He was like, so, I mean, I'm team. Uh, I'm team Harbaugh all the way. Uh, they, they definitely should have gotten their record good for them. I hope they get it again next week. Yeah, let's let's hope they extend that one. Uh, home home team over yeah. there. So the, the other the other thing to say about it too is like John Harbaugh is like honest. Like I, I don't know. I, I you know obviously these these guys you know they, we don't know them that well. We don't see them all the time and everything. But like I I get the impression that John Harbaugh is a really good coach and like he really like cares about what his players think and do. And I think one of the coolest football moments of all time, not of all time, but like of the whole season so far, has been that. That uh, that fourth down up in over in Las Vegas, oh my God. where he's like, he goes to he, where he goes to Lamar Jackson, and he's like, Lamar, do you want to go for this? And Lamar's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Like that was such a cool cool moment because it's like you could tell it's not like one of those relationships with him and the players where he's like dictating things to his players. Like he's like, can we get it? And they're like, yeah, we can get it. And then we then they just go out and do it. Like that's 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 real cool stuff. So like Vic Fangio that hasn't earned that for me. So so as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. So we, we team Harbaugh on that one. Right. Awesome. So moving on to something that's just kind of recently developing. Um, and AJ, I'm going to kick it over to you on this one because honestly, I, I'm not entirely well-versed on what's going on here. Um, I saw some stuff that's going on with our, like our local Washington spirit team, but the national women's soccer league, Looks like it's just absolutely imploding. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there. 
Um, you want to you wanna expand on that a little bit for me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the National Women's Soccer League uh, this past week has experienced uh, an ep- a meltdown of epic proportions um, due to extremely exploitative labor practices in the league, as well as um, extremely lax uh, and uh, almost non-existent um, policies having to do with um, having to deal with harassment, um, both of a sexual nature and of um, uh, there was some racist harassment going on as well. Um, and uh, th- it's a big scandal. So bear with me here for I'm going to talk for a second um, so I can kind of lay as much of it out as I can. Um, it is uh, it's also I'm also going to mess up the timeline a little bit. But the long and short of it is this. Uh, the NWSL is a is the third iteration of the women of women's soccer league, professional soccer league in the uh, in the United States. Um, and the other two folded for uh, a variety of reasons. Um, but the the roots of of the problems with women's soccer in in um, in this regard uh, has to do with the basic fact that in order to justify um, uh, their extremely expo- exploitative policies and practices um, to get the to get the league off the ground, the um, the owners and the um, the leaders of women's soccer, uh, the National Women's Soccer League, have been telling the players, you know, you have to put up with these crappy practices because. Uh, you know, we're the third women's soccer league and we don't want to fold like the other two did. Um, so they've basically uh, taken the failure of the other two soccer uh, women's soccer leagues that have existed in the U S in the past and used it as a, as a way to justify uh, their labor, labor exploitation. Um, and what this has done is it is, is it has created a, uh, a an organizational structure that uh, allows for and um, often facilitates uh, abusive practices among coaches and management um, towards the players, uh, and obviously having lived through um, you know the whole the whole Me Too movement of the past uh, in the past year and a half two years, um, it all came to a head recently. Um, so to start with the local scene, um, the heads of the DC Spirit, the uh, women's soccer t- uh, professional soccer team here in uh, in Washington. Uh, it's been a lot of really great reporting done, by the way, by the Washington Post and by the Athletic. Um, so you guys, everyone should go check that out to get in, get get the details that I failed to transfer um, in this brief summary. Um, but most recently, it came out that one of the players uh, was being abused um, with uh, racial racially abusive language by the coach by the head coach. Um, he initially uh, was removed from his coaching duties uh, pending an investigation. Um, where, and he was going to take a, an administrative role in the um, in, with the spirit uh, going forward, but it came out. Uh, then the Washington Post report came out of what it was that um, you know the racially abusive things that he had said, uh, and the spirit had to fire him, um, which they which they eventually did. Uh, and then there was also a, a, a slight reshuffle. The one of the two owners, co-owners of the of the team, um, didn't explicitly agree to sell his shares, but did step back from his administrative duties with the team um, because he was, the players identified him as a source of the, um, of a lot of the, the vitriol and bad, bad practices. Um, the unifying thread that you'll find throughout the scandal is the unaccountable nature of the, uh, of the management um, and of, of team owners. Um, and, uh, and it was no different here with the spirit and, uh, in the case of the Washington Post, that player did did in fact end up having to to like she retired. She stopped playing soccer entirely, 
uh, I believe back in 2014 or 2015. Um, and, uh, the other thing about all these practices is that the players have been attempting to uh, address address the the um, address these issues with the league for years. Um, the big big story uh, that uh, that sort of is overshadowing all of this is that um, it was came out in the athletic um, player a player a coach named Paul Riley, uh, who up until very recently he was forced to resign. Uh, his, was a coach for the um, for the North Carolina um, prof- women's professional soccer team, um, so he has engaged in a pattern of behavior over the past decade or so in national women's soccer. Uh, that's frankly really disgusting. Some of the details uh, I'll let you guys all read the article, but like some of the details, uh, he um, used his position as a head coach to sort of groom some of the women's players um, and eventually coerce them into uh, having sex with him um, in, in, a, in a variety of ways. Uh, and he was, he made some really, really disgusting comments about the sexuality of, um, of a lesbian uh, soccer player for him out in Portland. Um, and uh, it's, it's just really, really, um, really, really gross behavior. And he got away with it for, for 10 years, basically. Um and until finally the players started to stand up and say something about it in this age of me too. And in addition to that, uh, you have the fact that the national women's soccer league, uh, players finally, um, have formed their union and are negotiating their first contract, uh, with the league. Um, the players, including, um, us women's soccer star, Alex Morgan, um, has, has been, um, have, have been basically issuing demands to the, to the league to come up with a harassment policy, which they came up with, uh, pretty recently, I want to say, I want to say 2018. Um, they t- tried to take advantage of that process with Paul Riley. Um, they got stonewalled a bunch of times by both the team owners and by the commissioner, Lisa Baird, um, until eventually uh, all the, these reports came out um, and the league basically melted down last week. Uh, there were scheduled games that were supposed to take place over the weekend and they were all entirely canceled. Uh, then Lisa Baird, the, uh, com- the commissioner of the, of the league resigned, I believe like Monday. Um, and, uh, uh, Lauren, you, you just sent me on Twitter. Um, it looks like they're playing games again, but, uh, you know, the players are all rightly incensed. Uh, the, um, the spirit and Gotham, uh, football club, uh, joined arms in a center circle during the game to sort of protest the, the, well, we're, we're a podcast. It's probably irresponsible of us to not to say that these aren't like allegations. Um, I would be very surprised if they didn't happen, but, (laughs) But, uh, um, uh, but yeah, and I also, I should also say just, just in the name of like reporting accurately, uh, Paul Riley has denied all allegations against him. Um, but you should read them for yourself. They're extremely detailed. And I would be very surprised if any of these women were telling lies or making this up. Um, it's, it's a really, really horrible scandal. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just shame. Um, I think to me, again, uh, I would just like to say, um, uh, that this is what happens when you give a bunch of a small number of rich people a lot of power over a lot of other people who are very talented and, and actually do things that are useful. Um, you get these. This is the sort of abuse that occurs um, under under that kind of unaccountable structure. Um, and uh, I think the real heroes here are the players who are standing up for themselves for the first time. Uh, well, not not for the first time, but standing up for themselves uh, and exercising their rights collectively um, and. Um, I would hope to see these policies codified in, in their first contract with with the league. 
um, the, the, what, their, their first um, union contract with the league, I should say. Um, so anyway, that's the scandal. It's, it's, it's really crazy, um, lurid stuff. You should check out the reporting in The Athletic and The Washington Post. Um, I will say that the Washington Post article is titled, uh, This Guy Has a Pattern. Amid institutional failure, former NWSL players accused prominent coach of sexual coercion. That's in The Athletic, um, and you can check that out on athletic.com. And then uh, with The Spirit, um, uh, there's another really great article called Washington Spirit. Investigation found club repeatedly violated NWSL workplace and anti-harassment policies uh, for the details there. Um, and then uh, I think a really great article in my one of my favorite sites, uh, The Defector, written by Claire Watkins, is the NWSL has was working as intended. Um, and that sort of gives you a broad sweep of, of everything that's happening. But uh, I don't have any questions about this stuff. I think we, I think we, everyone on the podcast can, can agree it's really horrible. Um, but I don't know if, I don't know if anyone has anything to add or, or, you know, I, I think you have to take a stand against this kind of stuff. So it's good to see that it's encouraging to see the players standing up for themselves. Yeah. I mean, uh, <clears throat> so I know like from on my end, it's definitely encouraging to see like, such a smaller league because all the, all the women's leagues that we have in, in the U.S., right, they don't, they don't get the attention that they deserve. They don't get the pay that they deserve. They don't get any of the you, – like, you don't see commercials for their games, none of that stuff, right? And the, the argument's always that they, nobody watches, right? But nobody watches if nobody knows. It's part of the problem. So it's like, where are we going to go with that? But I, it's good to see, especially in soccer, that it's something that's being, like, you know, brought attention to because – I mean, even last year, they, the uh, U.S. women's national soccer team was filing um, for equal pay compared to the other, like to the men's national soccer team. And if I, if I remember correctly, unfortunately, a judge rejected their claim and, um, and like kind of took the wins out of their sails. I think they're still in court trying to fight for it, which is good because they deserve. I mean, the U.S. women's, US women's national soccer team is undoubtedly the best women's sports team of all time. I mean, their success for what they've done in U.S. soccer is probably can't be touched by any any men's team, maybe uh, maybe men's basketball. Um, but the women's national soccer team, they ran the table in, like, World Cups, gold medals, like, for years. Mia Hamm, Alex Morgan, um, Megan Rapino, um Carly Lloyd. I mean, there's just so many of them, right? And um, I think it's time. You know, they get some of their dues. They get they get the respect that they deserve. They get treated like professional athletes. You're never going to hear about an NFL coach harassing an, like an NFL player. Why? Because that NFL player is going to fuck his ass up. <laughs> Plain and simple. So I mean, I, hey, if this brings to light some of the like some of those flaws and it, it gets people thinking, I'm all for it. Um, I hate to see it. But I, I love to see it at the same time because it means that, you know, the fight's, the, the fight's there. So, yeah, it's just unfortunate. Um, I don't know. The floor is open if anybody else has anything they, they'd like to impart on, on it. Um, I had no idea about this scandal. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, more people need to know about that. And I'll definitely have to read those articles. And uh, I hope they get everything they deserve. Yeah, I know. I think for me, it was, uh, it's, there's always that argument of like, well, you know, like no one watches or no, you know, uh, uh, all, all this and all that. I, I really don't, it, 
I, I, whether you watch or you don't, they're human beings and they don't deserve to get treated like that. And it's just, I don't care what they, I mean, like yeah, you should, maybe we sh- should pay them more, but it, uh, to me that if they're not, I mean, like my, I guess my whole point is that they're humans. Like they shouldn't, they, no matter how, what they're getting paid or, or who's watching or who's not watching, they shouldn't get treated like that. And it needs to get brought to justice. What makes me, I, and I'm glad to see that there's action, I guess. I, I hate it when it just comes up like, oh, we're, we're talking about it. It's like, no, let's do something about it. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing for me. It's like, don't, don't, don't sit here and just talk about like, oh, okay, that's nice. And then keep doing what we're doing. No, like there's got to be action. There's got to be change. There's got to be repercussions. There's got to be, you know, changes in the way things are done. So to me, it boils down that they're, they're human beings and they have rights and they shouldn't be treated like this ever. So the people who, the people who did it need to suffer the consequences, not just getting fired from their job, but suffer, suffer legal consequences and and yeah. face and face the uh face the system mm-hmm. yeah oh, i think right. i think one of the things that i learned when i was reading all the articles for this story was that uh like women's soccer players national in the nwsl right now are paid something like on the order of like thirty thousand bucks a year uh to put that in perspective i believe that's less than the like fifteen dollars an hour i think gets you gets you up to 35 so it's it's even it's less than you even think you would even expect, and the, the exploitation even goes beyond that, because players can be uh, basically because of the way the, the league rules are set up, the if a team has your rights, they they kind of own you, you know. It's not like it's not like in um, in the NBA or the NFL where you know players are getting paid enough where they can just sort of ignore they can kind of almost create rules for themselves, the kind of the way that Kyrie Irving does, but um, but like the the um they're like hyper exploited and and if you come back to play in 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 the nwsl uh you know you might come back like say let's say you go play with the the women's national team for for a little while you come back to the league and your your rights could have been traded to some other team that you know nothing about and you know nothing about the whole situation uh and a a player is players also basically their all of their contracts are at will so that players can just be released uh on a whim, just at the drop of a hat. Um, and so what you have is a situation where uh, the uh, the workers in this case, the, the, um, the, the players are hyper exploited and a lot depends on their relationship with coaches and with management. And if someone doesn't like you all of a sudden uh, you know, you could be out of a job and, you know, let's talk about what you're giving up here you know, if you're making $30,000 a year, you're sleeping on couches, you're, you're, you know, you're trying to make money in between, in between games. Like these players are, are going through incredible sacrifices to, to provide a, provide, uh, you know, to play, to play this game at, at the highest level that, that they can, um, high enough level that as Eric was pointing out, allows them to, uh, to literally be the best in the world, uh, in, in a lot of cases. And, um, you know, and this is the this is the thanks they get is is the vagaries of horrible exploitation of uh, you know regular at will employment. Um, it's just it, the level the the injustice is is cascading. Obviously, um, and we're we're also talking within a, a paradigm of you know misogyny is is, is compounding this, um, right. and it's it's just um, uh, you know more. I, I'm. I'm thankful that I was able to talk about it today because it's it's a super outraging, outrageous um, scandal and more people need to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I bequeath our listeners to even, you know, 
read a little bit about it. Uh, get some knowledge on it. I mean, it's it's bigger than just like a, it's a sports thing at this point. It's like you know we have to protect our women. Like they need our help. So you're either an ally or not. So it's part of the process, you know, of, of educating yourself. And I'm glad we, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, it's it's really one. It's disgusting to see, and two, it's it's good to know. The more you know, the, the better you're prepared for it. So um, I feel like a league that they can really, like the players can kind of, we like moving on to the next topic here, um, just kind of trying to transition it is the NBA, right? Because the NBA always seems to be ahead of the curve when it comes to implementing changes to one, protect their players, and two, just kind of reflect positively um, on the community, however they can, even though they're like a giant juggernaut for sports or whatever. And, there's still going to be moments there. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, the NBA season's just kind of starting off. Um, if I'm, if I'm correct, preseason games are ending. And as, you know, as is tradition in a solid NBA season, like, like AJ said, Kyrie Irving's doing Kyrie Irving things. Um, I think Lauren, do you, you, you gotta, you want to, you want to bring us in on this or, or AJ, whoever. Because I'm not. I, Go ahead. I, know he, I got you. All right. All right. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I know he's doing so things. So essentially, so essentially, yeah, we were kind of segueing into that the NBA season starting. It's right around the corner. It starts here in a week or two. Uh, and they've been playing some preseason games. But uh, Kyrie Irving's hard stance right now is that he's not going to get vaccinated. And um, I'm pretty sure in Brooklyn and New York, where he plays for the Brooklyn Nets, they have laws in place now that state you, you have to get vaccinated. So he's working. So essentially they've been, and then apparently he's not showing up to practice or camps. And so they're trying to figure out what he, uh, what, what they're going to do with him there and how they're going to keep him from, from getting back or keep him on the team. So the, uh, the rumor mill is that uh, they're going to, they're going to uh, take further. Well, so now that, now what I'm hearing is James Harden wants out of uh, Brooklyn too. The rumor mill now is that James Harden wants to test free agency. And so, uh, cause he's never been a free agent before he's always been traded. So he wants to test free agency now that Kyrie's playing some of these little these these not get vaccinated games. So uh, uh, we'll see what Kyrie does. I mean, that's a Kyrie's always been a strikes me as a kind of person that uh, doesn't like. Well, at this point, he's made enough money he can retire and live his life happy forever, but happily forever. But uh, he's always kind of struck me as a person where he doesn't do it for the money. He just kind of he either he does it because he loves it or he just does it because it's what he wants to do in the moment. So like I feel like he could just be like. Uh, yeah, you know what? I don't want to play the season and then just not get vaccinated. And, and, and he would just be like, I, I really don't care. And, you know, cause you know, he's had issues with coming back and, you know, not showing up. I think it was when he joined the nets, you know, he didn't go show up to some games or practices. He's like, well, I didn't love it for a little bit there, but I love it now, you know? And so I kind of feel like that in his mind, he goes, well, you know, maybe I want to go travel the world right now and not run my body into the ground for, for six months, you know, for these rich owners and stuff like that. So, I mean, we'll see. I'll toss it over to AJ. He could probably put a bow tie on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, it's 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 disappointing, right? Because I really like Kyrie Irving on some things. Um, you know, he had the whole "Earth is flat" conspiracy nonsense when he first came to the league and everything. And I was like, I was like, oh Wait. my gosh, this guy's. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, he was like a flat earther for a while, uh, and yep. like had to like the Earth is flat. Yeah, he had to walk it. He had Does to he walk it back. Scientology? Good lord! No, he's not that. He's not as bad as Tom Cruise. Um, but but he so he like 
so yeah, that all that stuff at first, and I was I was kind of like, okay, whatever. He's just a dumb, goofy, goofy athlete, whatever. Um, but then, like as time has gone on, he's been really impressive uh, in the ways that he helped to he helps to stand up for um, you know marginalized people, marginalized communities in uh, you know in the in the cities that he plays for. Um, you know, and there's there's tons of like incidents of of him just like walking around the street, and you know if he runs into some like somebody. Uh, panhandling on the side of the road or whatever he he gives them money and stuff like he's just he's a nice guy uh and he's also the vice president of the players union um which is dope and he should definitely do stuff like that one of the things that i really like appreciated he did last year was uh or during the bubble year anyway not last year but during the bubble years he was floating ideas about like the players just leaving the nba and starting their own league uh and to be honest with you i think that scares the owners a whole heck of a lot more than um, you know, putting Black Lives Matter on the courts or whatever. And I think part of that is why the players union was able to win so much uh, from so many concessions from the league during that whole process. Um, so yeah, Kyrie Irving's got some good things to, about him, but this whole vaccine thing is just awful. Um, you know, I, I, I also like that he just chooses not to show up to work sometimes. Like, I think that's kind of cool. Like he's like, he's like, mm, yeah, we're going to get the playoffs. I don't really need to, I don't really need to be here. That's fine. I, I kind of <laughs> like that. That's really cool. But if he's missing games because he can't, he's not getting vaccinated. I mean, that like we just heard, Los Angeles is implementing a strict vaccine requirement. Uh, we know that. Um, uh, we know that. Uh, what is it? Uh, San Francisco, Oakland. Uh, Andrew Wiggins had to get vaccinated, or else he wasn't going to be allowed to play. Uh, I mean, how at a certain after a certain point? I mean, how when is when is Kyrie Irving going to take the basketball court if he can't play in New York, which is where ha- half their games are going to be played? And he can't play in in LA or in 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 Oakland. Where's he going to play basketball this year? You know, like that's not Texas. that's not a good look. Yeah, it's in Texas exactly. It's it's not a good look. It's not. It's Kyrie, bro. You need to get vaccinated and stop stop playing these stupid games, man. You win stupid. You play stupid games. You win stupid prizes. Get vaccinated, bro. I think uh, DC's doing a similar law too. So. You can't oh, even seriously. play for the Wizards if they get them, yeah. I think like October seventeenth or something. Yeah, Brad Beal better get himself vaccinated or else yeah. I'm gonna have a rant for him too. Right. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's gonna get it. Everybody's gonna get it, especially Brad. We're gonna go knock on his door. We're gonna, fight him <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we're, gonna we're gonna petition him on the podcast till he does it. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll hey look, that'll do it. That'll that's like right. yeah, that'll get it done. Yeah, exactly. Power of podcasts. <laughs> There you go. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we all of that, all of that, just to say, NBA is about to start back up, and we'll be talking about that every once in a while. As, you know, big games come up, um, big moments. So you'll hear more about that. Um, not just the NFL, but another thing that we're going to be talking about moving forward a lot, a little bit more, as well as going to be Major League Baseball playoffs are right around the corner. If not, they're happening right now. If I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, I know are. Red Sox. Red Sox beat the Yankees last night. Yes, they uh, did. Which hurt my hurt my heart a little bit, but you know, is what it is. <laughs> yes, I am a fan of the Empire. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> you got the Jets to bring you down to earth, huh? I gotta stay humble somehow. Yeah, I gotta stay humble somehow. I got those jets. Kick you right in the teeth. 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this over to to AJ, Jake, and Lauren for most of it. I'm not I'm not much of a baseball uh, knowledge base, so a lot of this I'm gonna be learning with the with the audience. But I'll be asking questions as they come up. But we I thought you know maybe we could do like a playoff primer, get talking into some of the some of the early game matchups that'll be interesting. Maybe some of the um, you know some of the, some of your predictions as well, Jake. I know you used to pl- uh, used to work up in Camden Yards. I'm 100% sure you got some hot takes going on. <laughs> so uh, right. I'm, I'm going to kick this over to you guys, um, Lauren and AJ, whoever wants to start it off, man. What what are, what, are, what are we looking at here, playoffs, 2021? Yeah, playoffs. Playoffs? Uh, yeah, so we've got uh, – welcome to, to welcome to our, uh, our, our MLB primer uh, for the playoffs. Uh, so uh, there's 162 regular season games uh, – Per year in uh, in baseball, they run from April uh, to September, or actually to October, I guess. Um, and uh, now we're into October baseball. That means playoffs. That means the World Series. Uh, it means really uh, great moments, uh, really of really high intensity. So I encourage you to watch your baseball games right now, even as we speak. The uh, St. Louis Cardinals and Los Angeles Dodgers are locked uh, in the uh, what's this? The top top of the third here in a one one nothing pitchers duel. Um, with Max Scherzer on the mound for uh, for the Dodgers, uh, former former National, uh, just gotta just gotta plug that in there for real quick. Uh, <laughs> but before we even get into the rest of it, I just wanted to say a few words, uh, a post, uh, you know, an elegy or eulogy for my uh, for my Baltimore Orioles. Consider uh, <laughs> like they had they were they finished uh, like I be- they had the worst record in baseball again. Uh, it has been – it's not the first time that's happened in the past 30 oh, years. God. But uh, <laughs> but but I will say we have one of the most exciting rookies in baseball in Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, so that's something to look forward to, uh, who played a lot of first base out there after they realized that he kind of sucked at outfield. Um, but uh, he the, – the, the boy can hit. Uh, he had he led the league – led league rookies with um, the most home runs this year with 33 – um, and I was fortunate enough a couple days ago to sit um, out in left field with Jake as he hit one right uh, right next to us in the uh, in the bullpen. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then obviously the biggest story of the year for the uh, for the Baltimore Orioles has to be uh, has to be Cedric Mullins, one of baseball's best and most consistent uh, outfielders this year. Uh, not just out there defensively, but also out there um, out out there um, uh, hitting home runs. First time in history that anyone in the franchise has hit 30 home runs and got 30 steals during the same in the same year. Uh, Cedric Mullins is real special, uh, so we've got stuff to look forward to. We've got the number one farm team in baseball, uh, so next year will be good. Uh, I await it with um, with great anticipation. Um, but uh, enough of enough of that. Uh, let's talk about the teams that are still alive and might actually still win. Um, as I said, they've got a wild card game going on right now between LA and St. Louis. The winner of that game will play San Francisco uh, in the Division League Series in the National League, and then the second set of games will be uh, between the Braves and the uh, Brewers. Uh, the, uh, in the American League, uh, we know that Boston will be playing Tampa at this point, um, and then the other game will game series. The other series will take place between the Chicago White Sox and the Houston Astros. Um, uh, Lauren. Uh, why don't you tell us a little about a little bit about those series and about the odds there? All right, so we're starting off with so the uh, the game between the uh, White Sox and the Astros and uh, Red Sox and uh, Rays start tomorrow. Looks like for the um, White Sox we got Lance Lynn pitching, and uh, for the Houston Astros we got Lance McCullers pitching. 
Looks like the heavy favorite right now is the Houston Astros at minus 139. Um, so I've, I've kind of liked the White Sox all year. Um, I don't know if they're going to – let's see where they – and they're playing at Minute Maid Park, so in Houston. Um, so um, I've kind of liked the White Sox all year. I think that the this might be a little bit of an upset. But uh, those are – but uh, I don't know, AJ, what do you think? Sorry, for that series, uh, I'm going to take the Astros in that series. Um, they're one of those teams that have been perennially good for the past couple of years. Uh, Mike Elias, the current GM for the Orioles, uh, came from Houston uh, under the same program. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that, uh, that a little bit of tra- that magic transfers to Baltimore. So for that reason, I'm taking I'm taking the Astros. Yeah, I think that uh, and then old Dusty Baker, I'm, you know, so I'm a big Nationals fan. I probably haven't said that enough on this podcast. So as I'm watching the um, as I'm watching Max Scherzer, who was one of the Nationals great and is a Hall of Famer, and Trey Turner play on the Dodgers, that's kind of who I'm rooting for. But you know, I like Dusty Baker as well. But yeah, I think that I think it'll be an interesting series. I think it'll go. I, I don't. I think it'll go. Uh, it, it might go. I think all five games or seven games there. But yeah, so so far it looks like Houston's the heavy favorite as they've always been. Let's see. Let's check in on the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Rays and Boston. Jake, so it looks like Boston's you? the big underdog. Oh yeah, go ahead. What about Jake? Jake? Um, I like the Astros. I I um I root for chaos and everyone in baseball hates the Astros. So. Because uh, of the cheating, <laughs> the cheating from a couple yeah. of years ago. Um, well, so the man took care of that cheating. Hold on. I, I want the I want the audience to note that Jake just put scare quotes around cheating. Uh, they were definitely cheating. So let's let's. <laughs> it's not like it's a, it's not a rumor. They were yeah. cheating. I mean, they were cheating, but I mean, did it matter? My trash did it matter to my like, <laughs> I feel like the Dodgers are sore losers. I mean, like, they're mad they didn't think of it first. Yeah, not 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 sore losers. However, are the Washington Nationals who beat them that year, despite yeah. the cheating? So, yes. I'll right. point that out. Yes, absolutely. Right. Hallelujah. All right. So, moving on. Looks like we got uh, the uh, uh, Boston Red Sox versus Tampa Bay Rays. It looks like the Red Sox are the underdog in this series, or they have them as the underdog as of right now. Um, and the money lines at plus one fifty for them. And looks like Tampa Bay sitting at minus one sixty. Tampa Bay has been uh, they've been on a tear all season. I feel like. And they've just been – I've got Tampa Bay probably winning this one too. Yeah, I've also got Tampa Bay in that series. I think the thing to note about baseball that's maybe different from us from some other sports is like the streaks you get on are, are you know, when you get hot and stay hot is is super important. Um, I think I got to take – I got to take the Rays in this one. They've been dominant in the NL – or the AL East all year. Um, just they've, – they've just got it all. They, they run on you. Um, they've got great pitching and uh, – Sorry, by run on you, I mean they steal lots of bases, um, and uh, and their hitting is just it, it's it's so consistent that it, it you know they're gonna get they're gonna score their runs. It's it's just inevitable. So I, I've got I've got the I've got the Rays um, in that series against Boston. The other thing the thing is, you know, Boston dropped uh, dropped one or two games to the Orioles here at the end of the season. They're not they're not a team that's it's not like that that's a team that's uh, unbeatable or anything. You know, they may, they may get hot in the playoffs, I guess, but I just don't. Uh, I don't foresee that them doing it well enough to, to, to defeat the race. So I'm taking the race. Um, I like the race too. I mean, they won hundred games, great pitching, great bullpen, great hitting. And, uh, got to shout out Brandon Lowe, Maryland Terrapin, you know, facts, playing oh, facts. Yeah. Field. yeah. So get some Maryland magic. <laughs> 
All right, so the last game we have, because there's still one more game, the, the, the side who plays the Giants is still going on right now. But the last game we have is Atlanta Braves versus Milwaukee, Milwaukee Brewers. And I'm proud – and the, Atlanta's the underdog here. Um, and I, I like, I've always liked Atlanta. Um, they've, always, they've always had the Nationals number, but I've always been a fan of them. Uh, so I, I'm probably going to go Atlanta just as a fan fan pick and kind of be like a, be a little bit of an upset here uh, or a wild card here, but I wouldn't be surprised if Milwaukee ends up winning this series. Yeah, I think Milwaukee's probably the better team. Um, I'm going to go with Milwaukee. I've seen too much inconsistency from Atlanta this year to feel confident about picking them in the playoffs right now. I like, I like the Braves. I've always liked the Braves. Um, Back to like ABC Jones when I was a kid, they were always a great team. And, uh, you know, I don't remember the 90s, but, you know, they had some great teams back in there. I know that's not relevant now, but, you know, that's where my heart is. <laughs> um, yeah. No, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah we're, no, we're not so playing Moneyball out here. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, so the, we're just waiting on uh, whoever will get, comes out of the uh, L.A. cards, whoever's going to play the Giants. But who do you – if let's say L.A. wins it, A.J., so it's L.A. versus San Francisco, who do you think wins that series? Uh, if it's L.A. against San Francisco, I'm going to take the – I'm taking the Giants. Uh, the yeah. Giants are, yeah, have been consistently are... dominant all year. Uh, I just don't see the Dodgers uh, being able to overcome that with the way that they've been playing recently. Um, if it, if it's, uh, and for what it's worth, if the Cardinals come out of it, I will pick the Cardinals because I, like I, like I said, in baseball, you get in the streaks. It really matters. The Cardinals have just been on a 17 game winning streak. Uh, and, uh, that's, that's, uh, when you start winning like that consists, I, I'll never forget the year that the, um, the Royals went to the world series. Uh, they just, they were in the, they were in the wild card. They just got hot during the playoffs and just, uh, and, and rode that all the way to the world series. I think the Cardinals do the same thing, and it's enough to get them past that first series with the uh, with the Giants if they're able to win tonight. I like the Giants versus whoever. Um, they got Lamont Wade, former Terp. Uh, they have Orioles legend Kevin Gosman anchoring the rotation. Oh, yeah. Yep. Orioles um, legend, yes, sir. Right. Um, Goggles. And, uh, right. Uh, the gas man. Um, the gas man, that's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're just dominant. And, uh, I, I actually went to San Francisco early in the year. I got to see them twice. One of the games I was there, they, it was like a tie game in the eighth inning and there were two outs and they brought three straight pinch hitters. They all hit Hmm. singles and they scored and they won, you know, two to one. Just, wow. Uh, incredible national league ball, you know, uh, so I think they have good management. They have a good squad. I like the no, so sure. just <clears throat> just for our listeners at home who may not know in baseball in Major League Baseball there's two leagues there's the American League and the National League. Uh, the they are basically only different in one respect and that is that in the National League pitchers also have to hit as part of the nine man uh, lineup and in the American League the pitchers are replaced by a de- what's called a designated hitter who hits in there in, instead of them. Um, and so in the National League, what you have is it's, pinch hitting becomes very important because uh, and pinch hitting is what happens when uh, a sub, the, the manager inserts a substitute into the game to, to hit for someone else. Uh, so pinch hitting becomes very important in the National League because uh, if you're in a close game, a really tight game, and your pitcher is about to come up to, to hit, 
you you're probably going to want to replace him because pitchers are generally not very gen, generally for the most part not very good at hitting. Uh, shout out to Shohei Otani who is extremely good at hitting uh, and pitching at the same time. Um, but uh, but in any case, uh, that's what Jake was referring to in that when he said that. Thanks for the clarification. Yeah, no, uh, I think that if uh, I'm with I'm kind of with the uh, with AJ in the sense that I feel like if the cards get through it, they're just going to stay hot. So we'll see what the Giants are. There's going to be a real you know. See if they can dampen the fire, but that about covers it for this section. You want you guys want to move on to the NFL, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you guys some of that insight. Um, I didn't realize how I didn't realize. So, like for example, hot streaks in in most sports, even in the NFL, tend to be like rather short lived. I didn't realize how important they were. It seems in baseball, um, which is pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, no, it, you got to think of it. This they play so much more. Like, I mean, you're playing 162 games in the regular season, so you can get re- you can get really hot and be really good at the beginning of the season. But if you can't, if you're not, uh, if you're not consistent with that throughout the rest of the year, then you know your hot streaks here and there are not that important. Um, but it, and what you have to do is you just have to do well enough to get yourself into the playoffs. And if you've done that, if you've done well enough, if you've done that, then you want to get hot right at the end of September. If you're hot, then you can ride that wave, uh, you know, all the way into the all the way into the uh, into the playoffs and, and beyond. Um, whereas, like in a, in a sport like football, you've only got—I mean, now we've got 17 regular season games plus the playoffs, and you know, so your your hot streaks don't necessarily matter that much. You know, I, I, for example, uh, a couple years—not a couple years ago, about 15 years ago—Washington uh, had a really great season with under uh, Marty Schottenheimer. I think it was 2000. Um, they lost five games in a row to start the season, but then went on a five game winning streak after that, they end up going eight and eight at the end of the year, you know? So it's like those, those hot streaks tend to even out, I guess is the way of putting it in the NFL where you have less right. games played. Whereas in baseball, they can really matter a lot if you've done well enough to get yourself into the, into the, the dance. So. Um, till, till baseball, like players and teams get hot, but then you have players like, individually will go on tears and just, uh, you know, I always think back to Giants and Madison Bumgarner in like 2015 through eight innings of, in game one of the World Series through a complete game shutout in game four and then like got a five inning save in the last game of the series to win it all. Just absolutely took over. And, you know, anyone can do that really, but, uh, Pitchers definitely. That's nuts. You know, that's pretty interesting. We're gonna have to keep an eye on that in some of these matchups. Um, so we'll we'll circle back around and talk about the matchups that you guys are talking about next week for sure, just to see where we're at. But looking ahead to uh, week five of the NFL, uh, I'm gonna start it off with our locals here. We're gonna kick things off. Washington Football is taking on the New Orleans Saints. And us here at the Go Deep Podcast will be live there. <laughs> we'll, we'll be there. Yes, sir. Check us out on Instagram. You know, check our Instagram out too at the Go Deep uh, dot podcast on IG. I mean, we'll we'll do a quick live there. Talk to whoever's whoever's got question for us. But uh, Lauren, who you got this week? All right. So so far, I've predicted the the Washington Football record pretty much win loss to a T at this point. So early on in the season when I did my win losses, I had us beating the Saints. Um, 
even with Jameis, you know, not knowing how well they were going to play. So I'm sticking to my guns and I'm having us beat the Saints, even with how the season's shaking out. Um, it does, the pick does kind of worry me in a sense uh, because our injury report is uh, the length of my arm. So we've lost a lot of guys and we've lost a lot of guys for the season. Um uh, we just lost Logan Thomas, just went on injured reserve. Uh, yep. I guarantee you John Box is going to go on injured reserve, even though people said he was playing horribly. That's still our starting linebacker, you know. So um, whoever we pick up is going to have to take his spot. But the Vegas has the Washington as an underdog is plus, plus 110. Um, so, yeah, mm. I, I, if, if I'm betting, I take the money line. They have to spread it pl- uh, plus two, minus two. And, um, so that's kind of a yeah, kind of that. kind of a pick em game, honestly. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the plus two. Yeah. So, uh, the over under is 44. I could see it going, I could see it going under just because, um, of Jameis and his, they, they, it seems from everything I've heard about the Saints so far, so they just run the ball a lot and Jameis hasn't been like the, the passing dominant person, the passing dominant, uh, Jameis that you knew from like the Tampa Bay. So, uh, but, and anyway, through this, through this week's, through this, or to this point, uh, this is what I was also going to say and bring up is. Who would have thought that Washington's offense would be top 10 right now, right? Like with Taylor Heine, losing your starting quarterback, with your stuck, we have our second string quarterback playing. And, you know, it's kind of like we thought, oh, going into the season, it would be reverse, right? Like our defense would be top 10, top 15. And our offense would kind of be like, eh, maybe 20 ish, like middle, like maybe if we're a little bit improve a little bit off last year. But we've, it's like it's completely reversed right now. It's like our, our offense is top 10, our defense is like 30th. So we'll see what, we'll see what can happen. It looks like we're, uh, we're, we're scoring about 25 points per game, but we're also giving up about 30.5. But it's been a long time since I've seen a, it's been a, I feel like it's been forever since I've seen, you know, deep passes, shots getting hit and receivers in stride. It's been, I feel like it's been since Santana Moss. I've seen Santana Moss run around, um, you know, back there, you know, catching passes in stride and our quarterbacks throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns, you know, weekly, you know, how long, I, I don't know. I feel like it's been a long time since I've seen our offense, like light up a scoreboard. I look up at the end of a game and it's like 30, you know, 34 to 28. And it's just like, where did this come from? You know, so we'll see what Taylor does. We'll see how we see how we roll out there. Like I said, it does kind of worry me the injury report with guys going down, but for some reason, I think we get this win on the Saints. I think we are managed to stop get a few goal line stands with Taysom Hill and um, managed to take this game over. But I pass it over to AJ. Yeah, um, you know, uh, we didn't get the chance to talk about the 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 Falcons game um, and the glories therein. Uh, J.D. McKissick really showed up. Uh, I told y'all about DeAndre Carter a couple weeks ago. He didn't break the he didn't break the the touchdown uh, return run when I predicted he would, but he did get one the week after. Uh, that the kid is for real. He can return kicks. He's very very good. Uh, NFC uh, special teams player of the week uh, this week actually. Um, you know so so watch out watch out for our special teams unit man. It, it, it's for real. Uh, the other thing I'll say is, uh, you know, Heineke has, you know, he, he makes some mistakes, but, um, but, uh, one of the things I really like about him, he just, he just kind of, he puts the ball up there and says, go make a play, you know, uh, puts the offense out there in positions to, to, to make a, to make a real play. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm excited to, to see what we can do against the saints. What I'll say about the saints, you know, it, Lawrence, right. It's not, it's not the Jameis Winston of, of Tampa Bay where he's throwing the ball 50 times a game, but uh, I think that's be- there's there's re- there's structural reasons for that, which I think go to the fact that when he's playing on the Saints, they're not playing from behind constantly because they're not terrible, um, and and so you know they're in a position much more of a position to run their uh, you know their run dominant offense. Um, that being said, I think we saw an example of, of during Week One when uh, you know they they did put the ball in Jameis's hands and and he 
he, he should, he balled out. Uh, so I think the saints is the saints are, have a, can be a, a very dynamic team if things are working on all cylinders. Uh, so because of that reason, uh, the other thing that I'll say about, about the upcoming game this week is that if the giants can beat the saints, then Washington football team can also beat the saints. Uh, I'm sorry, giants fans, your, your football team is terrible. Uh, if you guys can get a win, Washington can get a win too. Uh, so I'm taking Washington in this game. Um, and I, uh, I would, I would take the over, um, I think, I think they're going to clear that those 44 points. I imagine it's going to be a shootout. That's, that's my guess. Um, unless, unless the defense shows the Washington football team defense shows up, but I'm not, I don't, I don't count at that at this, at this point, I think probably a shootout. Uh, and we're, you're, you're going to clear that over. Uh, but it's going to be Washington football team at the end of the day. No, I think that's a good point. I think it's a really good point that the over, I, I forget that we're allowing 30 points a game right now. So that 44, you know, we probably just give that up on one side and just give it up, give up 30 to the other <laughs> team alone. So it's like we win, we, we're winning games right now by scoring, by, by just shootouts. Like we just, we just got to keep getting touchdowns and Taylor is elusive enough. And you had said that, like what I was hearing some guys say today, it's harder to game plan for him through the week because he just, he's, He's squirrely back there. You know, he he, mm-hmm. he kind of creates his own little plays and scrambles and gets free. So, but who you got in this matchup, Eric? Oh man, uh, you know, heading into the season, I gotta I gotta admit, I was one of those firm believers that your defense is gonna be like one of the most elite defenses we've seen in a long time. Um, I think that I think most of it has to do with over expectations that we had for y'all. Um, I mean, you have a rookie linebacker in there. You got some new pieces in the in the defensive backfield that just like they got a gel. Um, and I think teams are obviously game planning uh, around your strength, which is your defensive line. So, um, but I think I think you guys are gonna. I think your team has enough talent on it to overcome uh, some of the challenges that you're you're facing with like injuries and whatnot. I mean, you got Samus Reyes. Um, we don't know what you got in him. Um, so Logan Logan Thomas is out, but the, I mean the dude, the dude from uh, Chile looks he looks good. I mean, maybe not the best blocker, but is Logan Thomas really a great blocker too? I mean, so um, I think I think you guys are going to get a win out here. Um, I see you winning by more than ten. Honestly, I think Jameis is gonna he's gonna cough cough up the ball a little bit more because um, your your run defense I think is still pretty solid. So. I got you guys winning by more than ten, but I definitely covering the spread. What about uh? What about you, Jake? What you got? Uh, I'm gonna go against the flow here, and uh, I'm gonna have to pick the Saints. Um, I like uh, Sean Payton as a coach. He's a horrible person. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah, with Bounty Gate and whatnot, but I don't see them losing twice in a row. Um, and uh, I think uh, their defense will probably be able to stymie the Washington offense, and they'll be able to get put up some points against Washington. So I'm picking the Saints, but I think it'll be a close game. Okay, okay. Going against the grain here. Yeah. I dig it, I dig it. Now, Jake, I'm gonna, I'm, next game I'm going to go back to you to start it off on this one, but um, – Next game that I'm going to talk about is the other local game. That is our local Ravens as they face off against the Colts and their hampered quarterback. 
Right. Um, I think uh, I'm going to pick the Ravens. Um, what are they, seven-point favorites? I'm going to take the Ravens. What a surprise. Right. Uh, local, local Ravens <laughs> right. correspondent takes the Ravens. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be there. Uh, I'm going to be screaming my ass off. Right. Um, there you go. I think Odafe Owe might take out both of Carson Wentz's ankles. Um, <laughs> finish him for good. And I think the Ravens are going to win easy. Um, I don't know if they'll blow them out, but I think it'll be a comfortable win. And I would take Ravens minus seven, too. Um, I just don't... There's nothing the Colts, I think, can bring that is going to hurt the Ravens. Okay, okay. I respect that. What about you, Lauren? What you got? Yeah, no, Colts are the... He- I mean, uh, excuse me, Ravens are the heavy favorite here. Uh, uh, money line is minus 330, and uh, Jake was right on with the spread of being in minus seven. So, yeah, I think you... you uh, you take those, and the the Ravens with Lamar just um, are going to be too much for the Colts to handle. Just like they, much like Lamar is for most teams. I think he's gonna he's just gonna run all over him. Uh, hey Jake, do you know if he showed up on the injury report at all? Is he still still dealing with any back issues or anything like that, Lamar? Uh, no, he came out of the Denver game one hundred percent. You know, he didn't take oh, a lot of hits, cool. and they well, he he didn't yeah, run well, at all. He threw the ball, right? You know, yeah, uh, he's okay, good to awesome. go. No, cool, said. cool, cool. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, Ravens by a mile. Then I, I think they'll. I think the game will get out of. I think the, I think the game might be a little close at halftime and then get out of hand after that. So, um, that forty six over under, mm, that's going to be a close one. Um, I think with Lam- I think I think Lamar puts clip close to thirty. So I probably I might take that over on it just because I think the yeah. Colts will get late time late garbage time scores. But I think I think I think Lamar blows the door open. So what about you, AJ? No, Ravens a blowout. I don't, I don't think the Colts are going to show up. Um, and, uh, you know, this being their, their former franchise town, uh, I think they, I think they come out in lane egg. Um, so, so yeah, uh, you know, an old, old no ankles, Carson Wentz is, uh, he's not it. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't think the franchise is in a good spot and I don't like them. And I think, well, at least not that I don't like them personally, but like, I just don't like, I, I'm not going to take them as being a significant challenge for a Ravens team who's put together and, and run pretty well. Uh, it must be nice to have a team that you like that uh, you can sort of point to and just be like, yeah, them by a mil. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no surprises there. I mean, I, I, I'm going to go with the Ravens on this one too. Um, I think Lamar's he started off the year a little shaky uh, the first couple of weeks, and I think he's realizing like, oh, crap, my running backs are made up of a bunch of people who are older older than 28 in Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell. So uh, he's putting the team on his back. You're going to get Rashad Bateman back at some point too, which is going to help Marquise Brown even more and Sammy Watkins. So, uh, yeah, Ravens by a mile. But from one dirty bird to another dirty bird, we're going to skip on over to the other side of the pond as the Jets, my Jets, who just finally got a win are going to face off against the pretty lowly Atlanta Falcons in London. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to take a moment here to brag a little bit. You know, our defense is, is up there. We have, we have a surprisingly good defense. Zach Wilson doing, doing amazing things. He's trying his best Patrick Mahomes impersonation with the deep bomb to Corey Davis last week. I was, well, 
because we're in a podcast. I was having a great time in MetLife. We'll just say that. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I, I think these Falcons are just in such a bad place right now. Um, their offensive line is horrible, and our defensive line is great. We had seven sacks last week against the Titans. Um, CJ Mosley is like playing lights out. I don't think their offense is going to do anything that's going to like catch us off guard because they're honestly they're not that great. Um, Falcons defense is even worse. So I think this is going to be a like a moment where Zach Wilson just kind of piles on what he's already established last week against a good, you know, I, I think we all can agree the Titans are tend to be seen as like a playoff contender. So he was able to do enough and protect the ball well enough for the most part. He still threw an interception, but um, I think against the Falcons, he's going to let it rip. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Wilson throw up for like 300 plus yards and three tutties. Um, so, yeah, you guys know who I'm going with. It's the Jets. Now I'm going to slide this one on over to Lauren. What you thinking? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, you know, you make convincing arguments and I do think the Jets defense is uh, the real deal and, and probably can show up. It's probably going to put on a, put on a pretty good effort. Uh, Atlanta's the favorite here at minus 170 uh, by uh, the spreads minus three. Um, that's uh, yeah. They, so they're considering the Atlanta, the home team over there in London, but I think Atlanta just comes out. And I think they just beat the Jets. I can't. It's not. It's nothing against nothing against you, Eric, but I just can't lay trust in them just yet. These are. I don't get me wrong. These are both. I don't. I don't. These are. The, the Atlanta's not a very good team either. And your defense might come out and stifle them and prove me wrong. But let's put it like this: I'll be happy if you prove me wrong. So I'd be happy for you. I'd be cheer, I'll, uh, when we're driving to the game. When we're driving to the game, we'll probably have this game on. So you know, yep. <laughs> uh, we'll be watching. We'll, we'll be watching it and stuff like that. So. Um, no, nah, we'll, we'll we'll for sure talk talk a bunch of smack when it's going on and stuff like that. But I just think I just think Matt Ryan goes over there. I think Zach Wilson, you know, the jet lag gets over there. You know, team's got to practice. You know, it's a young team and over there in England. I think Matt Ryan's, you know, vet done this before, been there, done that. Just they, he just rolls out and he gets his, the team gets ready and they they just go out there and they beat the Jets. But what about you, AJ? What are you thinking? Yeah, no, I one hundred percent. Well. Not one hundred percent, but I, I definitely, I, I'm taking Atlanta on this one. Um, I think, and I, I want to take some credit for this uh, because we found out, we didn't find out about the injury report for, um, for the Titans until about Friday. We learned that both AJ Brown and Julio Jones were going to be out for that game against the Jets, and I don't know if you guys remember, but I sent to the group chat. I said, I said that that might be my sleeper pick this week because. Uh, well, I didn't say this. I didn't say the because part, but I said this might be my sleeper pick for them to win last week. Uh, and the reason I said it is because once you take away the receiving core for the Titans, the Titans become a one-dimensional football team. They they can they they can run the ball with Derrick Henry, and, and King Henry is no joke. But uh, it's tough to win football games when all you're doing is the same thing over and over again. Um, I don't think that's the case with Atlanta. I think they're going to have their entire array of weapons uh, in front of them. Uh, and you know, you got Calvin Ridley and everything out there. It's, you know, they don't have Julio Jones anymore, but that, that doesn't mean the receiving core is no joke. Isn't, isn't is some sort of joke or anything as well. So I think the Atlanta Falcons offense is able to put up some points on the Jets defense, uh, despite the jet, the strength, of, the strengths of that defense. I also think you're going to see a pretty good game from Zach Wilson. I think I've seen him improve every, from week to week. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's due to the offensive line improving so much, so that he's just got some time to like actually like look down the field and throw the ball, 
or if uh or if it's or, or if you know zach's just sort of adapting to what's in front of him and he's able he's been able to create some more space um you know the offensive coordinator for the jets has been calling a lot of plays where he's moving the pocket and stuff like that um which you know has, has obviously contributed a little bit to to um wilson's ability to throw the ball downfield um and so I don't necessarily know that you. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily know that's going to be a low-scoring game or that the Jets' defense is going to dominate. Uh, I would take. I would take the Falcons in this game, and I would imagine that it's going to be somewhat high-scoring. That's what that. Uh, that's what I'll. That's what I'll say. Okay. Okay. What about you, Jake? Um, I'm going to take the Falcons too. Um, that jet lag is real. A uh, couple years ago, the Ravens, as well coached as they are. They went to London against Jacksonville, and they just laid an egg. They lost like forty <laughs> to six. Um, you know, Harbaugh was not prepared. You got a rookie coach in New York, um, rookie quarterback. I think it's going to be a struggle uh, for the Jets. And uh, I also want to shout out Cordell Patterson, leading me to a fantasy win last week. <laughs> and uh, so, hopefully, he scores another three touchdowns. Yeah, um, he, he did the right thing. He he did a great job and and lost. That's right. what I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. we need a little bit more of that in fantasy land, honestly. <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it over to a game with a lot of fantasy football implications and one that I think is gonna be a hell of a game to watch. And that is the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Now we're gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna slide this one over against Lauren to kick it off, but mostly because. I'm really interested to see like what the money lines are here on this one. Yeah, so right now Vegas has this as like a 50-50 game, right? Like that that's their actually that's I should I said Vegas, the matchup predictor. But ESPN's like sort of what they percentage they give to a team. They've got Buffalo by 50.6 and Kansas City by 49 and then there's a 0.4 chance for them to tie. So they got actually Kansas City though being the favorite at minus 145. And uh, by it, uh, and the spread is minus two and a half, so it's three. And then they got the Buffalo Bills plus one twenty five, uh, and then plus two and two and a half, so three. And then the over under at fifty six. So, it's, I mean, as everybody assumes, and even Vegas assumes, this is going to be a shootout. It's going to be an absolute shootout. But I think this is a game you make money on because I think Buffalo can absolutely upset Kansas City. Um, the hard part for me is though, I, I've, uh, I've, it's hard for me to bet against Patrick, Patrick Mahomes all season. So. I think that that defense that defense has real problems on Kansas City, but I think I don't know. I think Kansas, I think whoever I think it comes to whoever has the ball in their hands last, and whoever can go down and get the last sec, get the last score. Um, and I think Kansas City pulls it out. What about you, AJ? Uh, yeah, I'm taking KC on this one. Um, you know, I I don't not nothing against the bills or anything like that. They have, they have a great team. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm looking at their last four games that they've played. They've played Pittsburgh. They've played Miami. They've played Washington. They've played Houston. Not exactly a bunch of, um, of defensive juggernauts out here. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't think that they've, they've played a complete team the way that, um, you know, the, the of the caliber that the chiefs are um, the closest to that they got was probably Washington and Washington put up 21 points on them, uh, which is the most points that anyone scored in them since. So I, I think I'm, I'm taking the chiefs on this one. Um, uh, and again, not, not necessarily because I have anything against the bills, but just because I think Andy Reed comes out, prepares his team um, and we'll go out there and get this tough dub, uh, uh, you know, having, having the elite caliber team that he has. So. Um. I'm going to pick the Bills. 
Uh, I should say my dad's from Western New York. I've seen every Bills game this season. Uh, they're just rolling right now. Um, they, they're a complete team. I know it's a fair point what AJ said about their schedule, but that defense, you know, two shutouts already. I'm pretty sure they lead the league in uh, turnovers. Um, so I think, uh, and the offense is clicking. I mean, they, they, it's even better than it was last year. They added Emmanuel Sanders, who's opened things up. Uh, and I think, you know, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to stop them. And I think the Bills defense will be able to do enough to uh, get turnovers or get a couple key stops. And I think the Bills win like uh, 40 to 35 or something like that. Nice, nice. Oh, yeah, I got a – on my end, I mean, I haven't seen – I haven't watched enough Kansas City games, uh, admittedly, this year to really, like, feel comfortable one way or another. Um, but I'm going to have to lean towards Kansas City just because, I mean, as long as Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Tyreek Hill are there, it's – all you need is, like, one good shot to win the game. So um, I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be high scoring. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Chiefs getting inching out a win here, uh, probably like in the last minute, honestly, and just walking out with the dub. So definitely, definitely going to be a fun game to watch. Um, now another game that I think is going to be fun to watch just cause of, like I've, I've talked about this team as kind of being one of those underrated teams coming into the season, uh, is Browns versus Chargers. Now love, love Herbert been raving about the kid all year so far i mean i even said i'd take him over Dak prescott um and so i'm gonna hang my hat on that and let y'all know i'm taking chargers here um i think it's gonna be a low scoring game just because the browns realize we got to keep the ball out of herbert's hands um so we're gonna try to do what they did with with uh mahomes um and i think they're gonna be unsuccessful again because herbert's just that guy um but uh, AJ, what do you got? Yeah, I've got. I'm taking the Browns on this one, um, and uh, I think you know I've seen enough from the Browns' offense to know that they're the real deal, especially with their running game. Um, <clears throat> and I think that because of that running game, they'll be able to control the clock a little bit better. Um, and uh, in addition to that, I think uh, Miles Garrett, uh, you know, he is a complete and utter terror on on that defensive line. Uh, I would expect him to get involved uh, in getting after Herbert. You know, the thing the thing that I think I'll repeat every every single week I watch it is that Herbert is perfect with the football. He puts it exactly where the ball needs to be. The thing is, uh, you know, sometimes as a quarterback, that's not that's not even that's not enough. Um, you know, and I think the Browns have a complete enough defense that uh they'll be able to get some stops. Um I know Washington was able to get some stops at least uh, even the, even in the loss because I I was expecting that game to sort of be kind of high scoring. I think um so I think I think that uh I think I got the Browns. I got the Browns. Okay, okay. Lauren, what you got? Yeah, it looks like the uh, the Chiefs are, or the excuse me, the Chargers are the favorite here. The money line has them at minus one thirty, and the spread is at one minus one and a half. 
Um, so pretty much two. The over-unders at 47. Yeah, no, I think that the – I think I got the Chargers here. I think that Justin Herbert, uh, they're they're rolling. I mean, Justin Herbert is is like AJ said, puts the, is putting the ball where he needs to put it. He's playing out of his mind. Austin Eckler, it's like anytime he touches the ball, it's like eight yards of carry. The dude's just a bowling ball and a monster. Um, I think that the, their defense is stud with with because um, I because you can't take the Browns slightly either. That game they had like nine sacks with their linebackers and Miles Garrett being the monster that he is. But I also think the Chargers are right there with them, and I think they proved that the other night against Oakland. Oakland has a pretty stud, uh, pretty uh, good uh, D line, but whenever their D line stepped up, the Chargers turned around and stepped right back up with Bosa and their and their edge rushers. So I think it'll be um, I think it'll be I think it'll be a good game, and I think the Chargers get a win here. I think it'll. I take the Chargers money line in the spread here. I think they'll 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 get a win and they'll. Uh, um, Justin Herbert will do just enough, and Austin Eckler will do just enough to get them this win. You know whether it's running the ball later, Justin completing a pass he needs to get. So um, all things aside, but yeah, Jake, you you got any two cents? Um, I'm gonna pick the Browns. Uh, I um I like Miles Garrett. I think he's going to win defensive player of the year. Um, and whenever the Chargers have anything good, they just fall apart. Um, so I think, I think, I think they're due for, you know, a setback here. Um, I mean, you could probably say the same thing about the Browns, but I like the Browns a lot this year. Um, going into the season, you know, when the Ravens were all banged up, I picked them to like win the division. I think they're a really good team and I think they have turned a leaf. Um, so I'm going to go Browns. All right. All right. That's a fair point. I mean, it again, another one of those games that I, I, like, I firmly believe is going to be fun to watch um, from like a football perspective. Maybe not like scoring points and whatnot, but I think it'll be good. It's one of those games where like two really good teams that have kind of elevated their play um, coming out and just having a good game. Someone who's not elevated their play, who's done quite the opposite, Ben Roethlisberger against Teddy Bridgewater, Broncos versus Steelers. Uh, this game is probably going to be painful for one side, and I have a feeling it's for the veteran. Um, now, I think the Steelers' defense does enough to to surprise the Broncos, who are still without Jerry Judy. Um, um I think they're still really strong against the run, too. If I'm not mistaken, the Steelers' defense is still pretty stout. So the two-headed beast that is Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams aren't going to, like, take over the game. So it's really going to fall on uh, Bridgewater and, like, can he, you know, can he do enough to beat Mike Tomlin? Because that's what it's going to come down to is the coaching versus whatever Fangio has out on the field. So I think Tomlin's going to outcoach Fangio. Um, I'm not going to bet against Mike Tomlin this week. That's who I got. Jake, who you got? Um, yeah, it's a really interesting game. Um, it's hard to judge the Broncos. Um, you know, they looked really super good the first three weeks and then laid an egg against the Ravens. Uh, so, and then it's really hard to judge the Steelers. You, I mean, Ben looks like he's toast, but, you know, he's done that before. Uh, you know, and you don't want to bet against Mike Tomlin. So it's really tough. Um, I think at home, you know, I think the Steelers will probably eke out a win, but I'm I'm not really sure to be honest. But I'll pick the Steelers. There you go. What yeah. about you, AJ? 
I'm taking. Uh, I know it's my rule that we shouldn't bet against Mike Tomlin, but I'm taking the Broncos in this one. Uh, I just what? don't see. Yeah, Ben. Ben looks like he's being held together with uh, with Legos and and some duct tape and uh, a bag of Cheetos dust, sort of mixed in there to try and <laughs> hold them together. Uh, I, I just don't see him uh, standing up to well. I don't know. I, I could I could see them eking out a win. It's not like I'm 100% sure on this one, but I think the more complete team is Denver. Uh, I think that their offense is – is uh, a defense can't win you the entire game. The offense got to show up at some point, and the Steelers just don't have that, in my opinion. So I'm taking Denver. Um, now that you say that, the Steelers are definitely going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, what you got, man? Yeah, so the Steelers are the favorite here, but uh, just the money line's minus 120. The uh, Broncos are plus 100, and the spread is minus one and plus one. Over-under is 40, so the, so they think it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game. Yeah, no, I think a lot of it uh, – no one mentioned it, so I don't know how many people know it, but Teddy Bridgewater got a concussion in the Baltimore Ravens game and got knocked out. Um, and so it's a real question of the, – the. I was just reading that he, he – uh, was able to watch film on Wednesday. Was not was not allowed to practice. Uh, but Fangio said he's pretty confident that uh, he'll be able to uh, practice tomorrow and maybe return for Sunday. I think a lot of what I pick hinges on him coming back or not, right? And how healthy is he? Because it's it's again. It, then it's like, well, you're trotting out a backup out there. So why do why, you know you should ride with Pittsburgh? But if Teddy goes out there and plays, it's a it's a little to me. It's a little bit more of a okay. Well, let's see what happens. Um, Man, that's hard. Because now that I now that I remembered he had a concussion and is out, you know, I kind of want to I kind of want to um, see where he ends up. But I'll probably go with my initial. Uh, I'll probably go with my initial pick and go with the the Denver for now. I'll just ride with what I ride with what I said. And and but uh-huh. if he's out, man, that changes everything. So I if yeah, you're if you're gonna bet on this game, I really would pay attention to the uh, to the uh, injury report as it comes out throughout the week. Cause he still got he still got Thursday to do light walkthrough and then he still got Friday to do 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 another light walkthrough and then Saturday's an off travel day so um, we'll see because if all it takes is one good shot from TJ if he's back there to, to knock him back out of that game again so yep. a lot of it's gonna a lot of that game's gonna hinge on if Teddy's actually healthy that's the other thing how healthy is he right he comes back from a concussion but how healthy is he really when he's out there playing does he look lost so that might be a real ugly game when it's all said and done honestly. Yeah, that's something to watch for sure. I didn't even know that was a factor. I zero idea Bridgewater was injured. Yeah, but yeah, TJ. I think TJ Watt came out and kind of laid an egg against the Packers too. So you know, it's Did he? there's some question about how well how healthy he is. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I knew he got hurt. Injury. Yeah, I knew he got hurt like the first game and had to sit out. Um, there's I knew it when I was watching that game. I remember that? So I didn't know how healthy he was, but it's going to be interesting. I think it's. No. I think that game goes. I think that game goes to whoever. If Teddy's not healthy, I think Pittsburgh gets it. If uh, if Teddy's healthy, I think Denver can do just enough. Definitely a game to monitor leaning into the week. But ladies and gentlemen, I think unfortunately it's hit that time of the podcast where we will bid adieu. We will see y'all for week six, episode six. I'd like to take a moment to thank Jake for coming out, hopping on the podcast with us. Senior special Ravens correspondent. That's right. (laughs) Welcome. Glad to be here. Yes, sir. And as always, we'd like to remind you guys, if you could just give us a quick follow, um, 
sub on to the sub onto the podcast and leave a review. Reach out to us on our Instagram or our Twitter. And uh, as always, go deep. Go deep. Go deep. All right. And for the rest of the rest of the week's picks, these are the games that we agreed on. So the Thursday night matchup is Rams versus Seahawks. We got the uh, Rams as the favorite, minus 140, spread at three and a half. We picked the Rams. Uh, Sunday after moving to the Sunday afternoon games, Green Bay versus Cincinnati. Uh, Green Bay is the favorite at minus 160 on the money line, minus three. We pick Green Bay. Lions versus the Vikings. Vikings are the the favorite at minus uh, 2420. Uh, two, and uh, minus nine is the spread. We picked the Vikings. The uh, Tampa Bay versus uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, Tampa Bay is the favorite, minus 555. Spreads minus 10. We picked Tampa Bay. Uh, Eagles versus Panthers. Panthers are the favorite at minus 190. The spreads uh, minus uh, four points. Uh, we picked the we picked Carolina. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, Carolina versus the Eagles. Titans, Titans versus Jaguars. We have the Titans at minus 200 on the money line. Uh, Patriots versus the Texans. We have the Patriots minus three, uh, 430 on the money line. And we've got the Bears versus the Raiders. And we got the Raiders taking it at minus 240. And then we have uh, the New York Giant, New York football Giants versus the Dallas Cowboys. And we have the Dallas Cowboys at the money line at 330. And then the San Francisco 49ers versus the Arizona Cardinals. And we all took the Arizona Cardinals on the money line at 250. That wraps that up. Thanks, guys.